Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. I will be reading the scripture, Matthew 6, 25 through 33. Therefore, do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to the span of your life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. And if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat? or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. May God add a blessing to this word. Amen.
pray with me please the prayer of preparation that you'll find printed in your paper bulletin or in your digital bulletin gracious and loving God may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight O God our strength and our redeemer amen Do you remember the last time you were stressed out? (laughs) Maybe it was this morning. Uh, But remember, do you remember the last time you were stressed out and someone said to you, relax? Did it help? No. (laughs) Or how about a time when you were really anxious and someone cavalierly said to you, don't worry? Did that do the trick? It hasn't been my experience that these kinds of comments are tremendously helpful, and many times they have made matters worse. However well-intended the person offering this advice may be, it typically has the opposite effect. In fact, Dr. Wendy Mendez, professor at UC San Francisco, has said, Relaxing on command is physiological, physiologically impossible if the body is already too acutely stressed to turn it around. These kinds of helpful comments can even produce a shame response because they can suggest that we shouldn't be feeling what we are feeling. And further research shows that when our bodies are triggered in anxiety and shame, it can take anywhere from 20 to 60 minutes to recover a normal heart rate and to de-escalate other key stress indicators. And once we're in this heightened state of stress and anxiety, such as what we might feel when someone says, don't worry, it's much more difficult to hear anything else. And in fact, the research suggests that we really can't hear anything else for potentially up to an hour um, after the stress Uh, takes over our body. So given that, what in the world is Jesus doing in today's scripture? It sounds like Jesus is doing exactly that, cavalierly telling us not to worry. Is Jesus really being that insensitive here? Surely Jesus foresaw this research 2,000 years hence. How could this be Jesus, our friend, strong and good, the compassionate? Well, let's look again at the text. 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly parent feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will God not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry. Throughout the passage, we hear the refrain, do not worry. Thanks, Jesus, we might be tempted to say. But when we look more closely, we can also see that Jesus is guiding us in how to do that, how not to worry. One of the things we know about worry is that it is anticipatory. When we are worrying, our minds move into the future, anticipating what we fear, which then becomes what we are experiencing in the present. Sometimes our worry is informed by concerns that things that have happened in the past might happen again. However, the point at which what happened in the past might happen again is still in the future. So in this state, we vacillate between past and future, which creates a present, which isn't really in the present, and in which we become consumed by worry. In the passage, Jesus directs our attention to the actual present moment. Look at the birds in the air. See how the flowers of the field grow. When you think of how you came to church this morning, do you, re do you remember looking up? Did you see anything in the sky? Maybe, maybe a bird, maybe a, uh, something else, maybe the wind blowing. Come back to present moment, Jesus is saying. Come back to this beautiful moment. In this moment, know that you are one among many of God's miraculous creations, precious and adored, but in fact not the center of the universe. One among many who has God's attention and care. Sometimes when we are, are worried or anxious, we look for relief in a variety of places. Online Google searches, food and other substances, even the wisdom of other traditions. Many associate coming back to present moment with Buddhism or mindfulness-based stress reduction movements rather than Christianity. But to divorce Christianity from this practice of coming again and again to present mo moment is, as a path to peace is a mistake. 
In fact, it reaches back to the very earliest teachings and practices of Jesus. Several years ago, I was invited to a retreat at the Garrison Institute in New York. The Garrison Institute, maybe you're familiar with it, sits on a cliff overlooking the Hudson River. It's housed in a former Capuchin monastery that was renovated by a Jewish tech billionaire who practiced Buddhism. It's a center that seeks to apply the wisdom of the world's ancient spiritual traditions to today's pressing problems. And its approach is decidedly interreligious. Those invited to the retreat were leaders in ministry and higher education. And I was invited because at that time I was serving as president of the National Campus Ministry Association. I was also trying to build a multi-faith student community. And I was seeking to broaden my understanding of other traditions. The leaders of the retreat included a Buddhist nun, a Sufi master, a reconstructionist rabbi, and a Catholic priest. I was sharing this, uh, my preparation for this sermon with my daughter, and she said, it sounds like you're about to start a joke. <laughs> but that was the leadership of this retreat, and I confess to you, I was least interested in hearing what the Catholic priest, Father Thomas Keating, had to say. But attempting to be a dutiful invited guest, I listened. And it, was, it is and was Thomas Keating's words that have stayed with me the most from that week of retreat and prayer and meditation and learning. Thomas Keating is considered to be the father of centering prayer, a practice of prayerful presence that brings a person into silent union with God. As a young man at Yale in 1940, through his own study and prayer and meditation, he realized that the heart of the Christian scriptures call us into relationship with God. He realized that Jesus himself is the embodiment of an invitation to relationship between the divine being and humanity. Keating transferred then to Fordham, the Catholic Jesuit institution in New York, and became a priest. From his early ministry, Keating became fascinated with the Christian tradition of contemplative prayer, which is also called resting in God. As the lead of an abbey in western Massachusetts, he found that many young persons who found their way to his monastic community had been born into the Christian faith, but turned to Eastern traditions, thinking that their own tradition had no contemplative practice. So he made it his life's work to recover that part of our tradition, the Christian tradition, and make it accessible. The result is what is known as centering prayer. What is centering prayer? Well, in a sense, it is what Jesus is asking us to do in today's scripture. Come into God's presence by seeing where you are in nature, in your body, in present moment. Let go of those thoughts of future, of past, and come into present moment. Father Keating wrote that the method consists of letting go of every kind of thought during prayer. He said that as Christians, 
Jesus is our portal to the beyond, to the mystery, to connection, and to God. And so he recommended the Jesus prayer. He recommended that the Jesus prayer be said over and over meditatively. The Jesus prayer, you may be familiar with it. It's very simple. It is Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. And through the repetition of these words, one finds oneness with God, release from worry, peace. What we need to always remember and come back to is that God is in the present moment. Worry, which takes us forward into the future or backwards into the past, is not where we can find God. Worry is not a positive state. The good news is that God will not leave us there. Jesus will not leave us there. The Holy Spirit will not leave us there. Our three-in-one divinity desires our healing and our wholeness, our peace and our assurance, and comes to us on many levels. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. Today is the day in the church that we call Christ the King Sunday. It is essentially our New Year's Eve, the last Sunday of this year of the church calendar. The first Sunday of the Christian year is next Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent. Our Christian year always begins with the first Sunday of Advent as we prepare for the birth of Christ. And through the Christian year, we celebrate the day of incarnation, the arrival of the Magi, the passion of Christ, and learn in between about the life and teachings of Jesus. When I arrived at the Garrison Institute so many years ago, I thought I already knew all about that. But what I found was an expansive Christ, or as Father Richard Rohr, a colleague of Keating's, has said, a cosmic Christ who goes beyond the single story of our tradition and finds points of union with many of the great spiritual traditions of the world. Indeed, Jesus himself likely spent his young childhood and preteen years in Egypt. Remember that? After, after the birth, afraid of Herod, the Holy Family had to flee, and they fled to Egypt one of the cradles of Buddhism where missionaries from India were sent by Emperor Ashoka to spread this new path of meaning and transcendence. Some scholars speculate that Jesus was influenced by these Buddhist teachings in his formative years, and these Buddhist ideas are laced within Christ's teachings if we are open to see them. When we say Christ the King, we can go beyond the literalness of patriarchal hierarchy and instead embrace what it means to put our whole trust in a divine being who came to us as one of us. And in this turning toward that divine being, we find that we are in present moment, greeted by Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. We are also greeted by the cosmic Christ who offers us both 
a grounded presence in the present moment, and a transcendence of connection to all others. In the weeks to come, I invite you to experiment with this simple prayer. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. It can also be Holy One, Divine Presence, here. May this simple centering prayer be your reorientation away from worry and anxiety in this coming holiday season and at all times. May this simple prayer and the relationship with the divine presence it engenders be your salvation. Amen. been listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week.